Just because Janet Jackson does something, it doesn't mean that the rest of the world needs to do it. Mm, I think it does. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to the Gravity Beard Podcast. We're recording today in Studio A. Thank you, as always, to our listeners. We appreciate your continued support. Okay, listeners, you have chosen to join us on a very exciting day because we're doing something we've never done before. Really, that's not true. We've, we've done it a handful of times before. We're recording on location, and we're in the lovely city of Austin, Texas. More on that in just a moment. But first, I want to introduce our honored guest. She is my sister-in-law. Her name is Roxanne. Hello, everyone. Roxanne, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to be here. I should say welcome back to the show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because we're just about, we're just a few weeks short of the three-year anniversary of you originally appearing on our show. Skin pockets. <laughs> Bear wrestling. <laughs> Bear wrestling. What is it? Rich the, people don't get rich wet. Rich people don't get wet. <laughs> yes. all, all of the greatest hits. <laughs> yes. I don't know exactly what the episode number of this one will be until I release it, but that was episode 14. This is going to be episode 200 and something. That's great. So we've covered a lot of ground on the show, <laughs> but we're very, very excited to have you back because your episode was one of the most popular episodes we've ever done. I can't imagine why. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going we're gonna to hope, hopefully, and I think the audience, particularly Greg, is crossing his fingers, is crossing his fingers that, that we'll find out later in the show why that was so popular. <laughs> But we're here because you've hit a milestone birthday. It is what they keep saying. (laughs) Now, I don't know how bashful you are about saying what birthday it is. Oh, I'm not. Well, then tell everyone what birthday we're celebrating. It is my 40th birthday. Your 40th birthday. (laughs) And I I feel very comfortable to say that because I am joined by my two elder sisters. (laughs) So, you know, 40 is nothing. We we have not introduced them yet. We will get to that in just a moment. 40 is nothing. (laughs) Fair enough. Okay. And so and you're also about to hit another major life accomplishment maybe just a couple months from now. Hopefully, fingers crossed. I mean, it's you've worked on it for a long time. We're heading in that direction. I think so. It feels like it. Yes. By the end of the summer, you could have earned your PhD. Well, probably not till December, but I think I will be finished with the like first complete draft of my dissertation this summer. Okay, but the point is, is that after two, three? How, three how, years. It's three three years, years of coursework. We're going to have to call you Dr. Knowles. Nobody but my oldest sister, Rosemary, can be doctor. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm just kidding. But, but the, point, the point is, is that you will have earned the distinction. Of, of and, and if potentially. Sh- should you choose to require it of other people around you, you could be I, called Dr. Well, Nose. here's the thing. I think for anybody that knows me, me being called dark, Dr. likens to Dr. Seuss. I mean, <laughs> it's like, I'm going to do Roxanne Knowles' PhD. Like, nobody call me doctor, please. Okay, well, we're going to cover some ground today that's going to shed some light on that and give us some context. Let's introduce our other guests. All right. Because the idea was is that we wanted to celebrate your 40th birthday by having your siblings and maybe other family members and friends, possibly even your spouse, come on, share some things about you, some stories. Your dad, I think, you sent me in a message, characterized this as a roast. <laughs> We're going to roast Roxanne. Why are we going to roast Roxanne? So we don't know. This, this, could, this could be storytelling, reminiscing. 
it could easily turn into a roast. <laughs> we're just going to get started and see where this goes. Oh. All right. Well, let's introduce the because f- what we're going to do is we're going to have a maybe a rotating panel of people. No, so it's going to be you and I, and then we've got two other spots where we're going to rotate folks in. So our first two guests are your two older sisters. My beautiful, beautiful elder sisters. First, first is your sister, Rosemary. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you. I am the oldest. The oldest. <laughs> Which everybody likes to point out, but okay. also the wisest. <laughs> yes. I think everybody would probably agree with that as well. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I mean, maybe, but All right. <laughs> we'll roll with it. And then your other old, older sister. My other older sister, my middle sister is Rebecca. Rebecca. Welcome, Rebecca. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here. <laughs> now, I would assume this is... Now, it's not Roxanne, obviously. We mentioned that before. I'm assuming this is both of your first appearances on a podcast. Yes, it is mine. Mine as well. Terrific. Well, I'm glad that your first podcast experience is on Gravity Beard. Have you heard of Gravity Beard? Yes. You really? You have? Through Roxanne. You actually have. (laughs) (laughs) Rebecca, have you heard of Gravity Beard? I live in Wyoming. Oh, no. (laughs) Where they don't have the internet. They don't. Apparently. There's nothing. (laughs) Wow. I think we do great with cattle in Wyoming. I'm not sure about humans, but we're we're, we're huge with the cattle population. That market is cornered. (laughs) Yeah. uh, We're the number one podcast amongst Wyoming cattle. (laughs) Terrific. All right. Well, I'm just here to sit back and listen and do a little bit of moderating. Where do we want to start? Well, I think we should uh, go ahead. And one of my most favorite memories from Rosemary is how um, how perfect her life was until the day I was born. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe, maybe we can start there. <laughs> okay. All right. So, so where? Let, let's maybe begin on where you guys grew up. Kingsville, Texas, okay. south of Corpus Christi. Okay. Population of about twenty five thousand people. Um. Yeah, that's really all there is to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> you just told everyone everything they need to know. <laughs> about home of the King Ranch. Um, it is a place where every plant has thorns and every insect stings. <laughs> so, Okay. <laughs> we'll pick things up from there. <laughs> so your, your arrival into this world was on May 11th. 1979. 1979. 1979. Yeah, and so I guess, you know, Rosemary and Rebecca were two sisters. Living along, going through their life, and then living I was our best life. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then I was born. <laughs> and how far uh, apart? I, what are the ages here? Obviously, you're 40, but how old are you guys? I'll be 47 in a couple weeks. Okay, and I'm 44. Got it. Okay, so there's a four-year difference between. Okay, yes. and then so seven between seven. us. I, I would disagree. I would say my best life started the day Roxanne was born. Okay. <laughs> it's all about perspective. <laughs> well, how, how, how did you guys get along as siblings before your, your sister was born? Before well, I mean, I think we mostly got along because it consisted of Rosemary bossing me around. Again, mm. my best life. <laughs> and me complying. Wow, Rose, that does sound fantastic. <laughs> We we have a similar dynamic in our house with our boys, <laughs> so I can relate to that. Okay, fair enough. Well, then I was Rebecca's living doll. She oh, would yeah. care for me, tend to me, feed me, just mm-hmm. take care of me. So that sounds wonderful. <laughs> it was great to be me. <laughs> yeah, how can anybody complain about that? <laughs> well, Rosemary sure found a way. Just a, a couple of years until Junior was born, and then I was like, forget you guys. Here's my baby. 
Yes. Where yes. is he? He's not even he in can, here. Yeah, he's somewhere, but... Yeah, that, that's right. So so you guys do have another sibling. You have a brother. One, so three brother. girls, and, and he's the youngest of all four mm-hmm. of you. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think, that, um, you know, Rebecca is the easygoing type B personality <laughs> sister. The peacemaker. So, say I'm sandwiched between two strong personalities. Two strong-willed <laughs> type A personalities. Interesting. Yes. Okay. All right. Yes. Squished, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Squished. Rebecca, do you feel squished? Sometimes. You know, ironically, even right at this very moment, you've you've smushed over against your sister on a small couch. So so that is both literally and metaphorically true. Yes. Okay. All right. Well? Well, um, maybe we should go to what are some of y'all's earliest memories of me or... Even most memorable memories of me. I know Rosemary's got all the classics. <laughs> well, my earliest memories were she just always was smiling. Just always happy, always smiley, always just bubbly and and just and then once she learned how to, you know, be a person, just always <laughs> into trouble. <laughs> and what age would you say that started? One and a half or two, like, like About, most kids. Yeah. yeah. Basically. Yes. Mm-hmm. And over the years, we, we tended to conflict. And according to my mother, it's because we have very similar personalities. Okay. And mm-hmm. you may not see it now as adults, but I can see how as small children, when you're true, per, you know, just your base personality, I sure. can certainly see that. So. Mm-hmm. No, I, I would even say that my children, we knew something about their personality when they were being carried before they were born. Mm-hmm. They even carried differently, and, and that was manifest yes. as they they were born and got older. Yeah, my husband told me once that there can only be one alpha, and that may have been a bit of the issue. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. Do you have any examples of, of where that began to... Well, um... <laughs> I just always was the alpha. So. <laughs> because at this point, you're eight or nine years old, if she's yeah. one or two, well, obviously. I was, I was seven, so if she's two, then I'm around right. nine. So, yeah. And, and, and you didn't want to really share that space. Well, no. And, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that role. And, and back then, it was totally normal to put the oldest parent in charge and parentalize them much oh, more than true. I ever did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... I mean, it was just very common for me to be in charge of the show, the house, right. the kids, the whole nine yards. And, and so. you had a two-year-old sibling now that wasn't really down with that. Well, I was just born in this world thinking that my way is the best way and everybody's <laughs> going to agree with me and go with what I say. And I'm like, who is this person telling me? No, no, thank you. Because Rebecca had never challenged that. No, so. even as an adult, I'll say... I'm a good worker bee. Someone tell me what to do and I'll do it. <laughs> but don't expect me to come up with that on my own. Yeah. yeah. And and even as I approach 50, every situation I'm in, I have to rein myself back not to take charge of it. It's just who I am. And so I've gotten better. I'm a recovering perfectionist. But, um. <laughs> that's, that's a really healthy level of self-awareness. <laughs> Thank you. I've, I've worked years and years on that level mm-hmm. of self-awareness. Sure. Um, so, you know, it's uh, one of my favorite stories that when she said, you know, that you were going to want one, I was like, oh, goodness, this is, this is like National Enquirer level, you know, knowledge here. But, um, but here's the one I want to share. It's Excellent. My, it's my favorite. Well, the, so. only, the only sensor in this group is Roxanne herself. So if she greenlights something, oh, 
It's fair game. My life is an open book. <laughs> <laughs> so I was not allowed to date until I was 16. And I, we had a, a, a swing on our front porch. And my parents weren't home. And a boy came over and sat on the swing. Mm. And Roxanne blackmailed me. <laughs> John Hoffman. You remember John Hoffman? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Like the nicest boy ever. And Blast this, from the past. And um, this was what age? You said uh, 16. Yeah, around that age. So um, I was nine. So you, I was going to say, I was put you at nine. <laughs> nice. For over a year. I blackmailed her. Uh, wow. Yeah. I mean, sh- everything she could think of. <laughs> Just I'd made forgotten. my I'm life. I'm so proud of myself. <laughs> no, I I held this back from the story I was going to tell you. I told mom and dad I was going to add this dimension. This is your your birthday surprise. Nice. So, um, she basically made my. I had to do everything she said because, unlike my siblings, I was afraid of my parents. I was, you know, like she healthy, the eldest, sure. responsible, right? And I was a rule follower and mm-hmm. all of that. So. Um, one day I finally get my driver's license. I'm going to visit a friend. I get pull up to my friend's house. I know it's coming. And I shut off my car. I go to open the door and Roxanne jumps out of the back seat and says, surprise. I'm coming with with you. She was in the back seat. I laid down on the floorboard. And you had no idea. No idea. Incredible. And And I was like, she has to take me because I'm black. And I was so furious, like beyond livid. And And I was so happy. I I can see the look on her face, the smug satisfaction, the happiness that she had me over a barrel. There was nothing I could do about it. Whether that was true or not, <laughs> it was true in your own mind. Right, exactly. Uh-huh. And uh, and what yeah. did you feel like the consequences would be if you didn't go along with all of these things over a period of a year? <laughs> that's what my mother asked me this weekend. I was telling my parents this story. She's like, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Like, seriously. I feel like maybe you're holding back. You just said he sat on the swing. Surely there was something <laughs> no. more scandalous. No. <laughs> No, I am. I am serious as a heart attack. That is all that happened. Wow! That happened. <laughs> and I was just that manipulative <laughs> from the minute I was born. And that she really just magnified that into you are going to be in so much <laughs> trouble. And I was sixteen, like can, you're right. I'm going to be in so much I trouble. Can spin, <laughs> I can spin a narrative. Wow. Know? I can't wait to tell. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that kind of stuff. So she really just built it up and and just built this level of fear in me. And so the the culmination was when she jumped out and I was finally just like, the just tell them I'm done with this. Like, I can't live this way. And just like... So... I remember we were going out to Selena Acuna's Yes, and y'all were going to go to the beach, and I think I had asked Rosemary if I could go, and she was like, 100% no. Like, you cannot go, you cannot go. And I was like, well, I'm just going to hide in the back of her car, and I'm going to go. And so it was this incident that kind of brought things to a head where you're like, I don't care now. Yeah, and then she never told. My parents have no idea until three days ago or whatever that I told them. And they were like, who cares? Goodness. That's a good one. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So finally, after a year, the reign of terror, the first reign of terror. The first reign of terror. <laughs> right. Yes. Well, and you know, so I had two older sisters. My natural inclination was to want to be with them all the time. Of course. And because their natural inclination is, 
I don't want to have anything to do with my little sister <laughs> ever. So one of my favorite stories about Rebecca is I would keep a secret for Rebecca because she was my like caretaker and we had separate bedrooms and would still sleep in the same bed together. <laughs> but one day <laughs> we lived close to Mexico and so a common occurrence for high school students would be to go to Mexico because you could drink because they don't care in Mexico. Of course. And now no, wait, we always have to set every story of what are the ages now? I mean, when at this time you would have been eighteen and I would have been fourteen. Okay. And um, so she, my cousin, was living us with us, and that's a story for another day. But, um, <laughs> my cousin Charmaine was living with us, and they were going to go drink in Mexico, and I wanted to go. And Rebecca was like, "No, you can't come, just because she's my older sister and she draws the line." And then my cousin, you are fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> These are minor, minor, minor okay, details. Okay, don't pretend that it's because of that. <laughs> I'm like, I, I don't even, even know what story this is going to be. She was so already blackmailing and extorting I've at the age of nine. So by, <laughs> by fourteen, to go to Mexico drinking, I'm on really doesn't for this story. Like, well, so Rebecca's like draws a line with her one of her best friends named Charlotte and her cousin Charmaine and she's like she is not going if she's not going I'm not gonna go and so then they said well we're gonna go without you <laughs> that made Rebecca mad I literally have no recollection of me- any me- meaning of you and your cousin were gonna go me my cousin Rebecca and my sister's best friend go. and oh. her friend her one of her best friends Charlotte had a sister a year older than me who would have been 15 at this time sure so the two Very little mature. sisters go to Mexico with my cousin and my older sister's best friend and my sister who I had kept multiple multiple very deep secrets from our parents <laughs> she's so mad at me she told my mom that we went to Mexico and this night was I mean if the, the hangover movie could have been made back then it would have been this night <laughs> like, nice my, my cousin was driving we run out of gas on the way so they make me and the other young young teenager get out and push the car then <laughs> scary old man gives us gas then we get to mexico it is ten dollars all you can drink and we are like drinking like it's nobody's business ten dollars all you can drink in mexico and i'm 14 <laughs> with a 15 year old so that's like three drinks at 14 <laughs> i don't think i mean from the way that i felt i still don't drink tequila to this day mm-hmm. because of that weekend but so then when we're coming back, this was before cell phones or anything, Rebecca, being the loving sister she was, had told my mom that I had gone to Mexico. <laughs> I honestly still have no recollection so of it's of like It's like probably like, and I don't know what lie we had told the parents to go to Mexico, but so we're driving back, drunk, all of us in the car, totally unsafe. We get to our friend's house, and my mom has notified the mom that we've gone to Mexico. So I'm like already hungover, like my first real hangover, one of many, many, many I have had. um, Many, many, many. And I walk in and our friend's mom is like, I can't believe you guys. You took these little girls to Mexico. You're a bunch of fucking bitches. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm at home polishing my yeah, halo. She's a, yes, <laughs> yes. And so then, like, she's yelling at us. My head hurts. I feel like I'm going to throw up. And then, like, not even five minutes later, who walks in the door? My mom comes over to the house yelling at me again. And I'm just like, you are so evil. But I could never really hold anything against Rebecca. I don't know why. I, I will say, I will say, at one point, I had... Um, 
a bottle of rubbing alcohol that I had filled with, you know, Bacardi or something, maybe vodka. I don't know. It was long, you know, I was probably 16, 17. <laughs> and out of concern for me, my loving younger sister poured it out Down and refilled it with water. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> this was before I had started drinking. When so I maybe so that was scared. payback. <laughs> sure. So, so just so just so I'm clear, you didn't go on the trip. You no, did stay I, home. I stayed home and told on wow. her. <laughs> <laughs> did you tell on her after she'd gotten back or while she was gone? While I was gone. I, don't, I honestly don't remember any of this. Oh, sure, because it was a mean thing to me, so she conveniently forgets. Oh, well, I probably pickled my brain some in the years since. <laughs> This yeah. story makes my swing sound super lame. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, to be fair, it was a few years later. True. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She quick, again quickly moved from blackmail Remember, and extortion be, to. Be, tell the story when I spilled beer on Rosemary's couch. <laughs> you don't remember. <laughs> so I have like I think an abnormal memory. Like I remember. Like all ev- everything that's ever happened ever. Well, that was the new couch she'd gotten at Foley's, right? Yes. In so her apartment. Rosemary had finished college uh-huh. and she had like her first adult job and she bought herself a really nice couch for her and it was blue and white pinstripes. I remember that. And we all went to the beach and I was still probably like 16 drinking. And then we get back to Rosemary's couch and I spilt beer on it. And so in our family, legal laws mean nothing to us. <laughs> you know, I'm like, it's against a lot of drinking at a certain age. It's against a lot of, that, that didn't matter. So I'm drinking with Rosemary, Rebecca, Rebecca's future husband at the time, not Rod, who is now my brother-in-law. And we're all drinking. And then we finished being at the beach and we're all good. We got some shrimp we were going to cook. And I spilt beer on Rosemary's new couch. And I was like, oh, I was like, oh my God, I can't let Rosemary know. So I flipped the cushion. (laughs) (laughs) Classic. And then like eventually Rosemary found out and she flipped out like I knew that she would. But the greatest thing is that Rosemary had this couch for like 10 years. You had it upstairs. Longer than that. And so every time I would see the couch, I'd be like, oh, no, that's, I'd be feel stressed. That's the couch I spilled beer on. Rosemary's so mad at me. I just recently got rid of that. Did you really? <laughs> it was that's a good true. couch. It was beer a nice couch mm-hmm. with the beer stain and all. No, I, I think the couch we currently have in our living room is 13 years old, so <laughs> I can relate to holding on to a couch. Yeah. Everybody should. It's the frugal move. <laughs> Furniture is very expensive. It, it, well, and there's just other things I like to spend money on. <laughs> sure, sure, like trips to Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, Rosemary and I had a trip to Mexico, but we're going to keep that one private. <laughs> wow, there actually is something you're not going to share with the, yes. with the there's, class. There's a lot. There's a lot that is not shareable. <laughs> these, okay. these are the G-rated things that are shareable. Okay, well, where, where do we want to go next? Amongst the shareable things, amongst the hors d'oeuvres of, of stories about Roxanne for her 40th birthday. <laughs> hors d'oeuvres. The oh, hors I've got d'oeuvres. a good one. Ooh. <laughs> My mother um, was getting a degree, I think a master's in counseling. I know this one. <laughs> <laughs> and so she set up a little room in the garage. A play therapy room, right? I don't know. Okay. It was a play therapy room. And I, I can just see it in my head. It was like a little corner and it had little chairs and a table. And she said, this is a safe place. You can say whatever you want here. 
<laughs> so I just kind of would just go sit there and look at her like, Mm. <laughs> so you weren't fooled by this yeah, and she, my mom would take us in one at a time like practicing for her to okay. I mean I'm the kind of person like I've never had a diary because it's like and like I don't trust Big Brother and you know I'm, I'm like skeptical of all of this I think you and I might be similar people <laughs> yeah like I don't like my stuff in the cloud and anyways mm-hmm. so I must have been what like she's 10 so Roxanne was probably like 3 or 4 so even then, I had a healthy level of skepticism, like, mm, yeah, right. no, I don't right. think you so. S- yeah, you sniffed that out pretty quickly. Right. No, I mean, I'm sure my mother really meant it, right. but I was still, like, not buying it. Mm-hmm. Roxanne, she sits down and just starts laying out every <laughs> profane word she has ever <laughs> heard. My mom tells me it's a safe zone, so I can say whatever I want. So then I don't even know if I can say these words on your show. <laughs> but I, I created a song. It's like, damn shit, fuck damn, damn shit, fuck damn, damn shit, fuck damn. <laughs> And wow. I, I sing the song nonstop because I can say whatever I want. And, so you, and this is an original composition. This yes. Isn't, yeah. okay. But the look of delight and happiness on her face, and I'm just like... <laughs> hey, wow. you told me. I'm like, you can't take it back. No, and, 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 and she, she went with it, and she, 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 <laughs> she felt safe. What choice do I have? <laughs> I invited her to head down this road. she <laughs> I don't think that's what my mother expected. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's what happened. And I was just like, okay. You know, I was just a weird child. I wish that my mom has the letter that I wrote to God when I was in second grade. And it's like, dear God, these are the reasons that I don't believe with you. And it's like, I iterate too much human suffering, too much this and this, too much this and this. And I'm in second grade. And I sign the letter, yours, not in Christ. Roxanne. And then I give the note to my mother and I'm like, you can make me go to school, but you can't make me believe in God. (laughs) And that's me. I'm like, you can't make me do anything. You can't make me. (laughs) You can't make me. You can try. If there's anything that describes Roxanne, (laughs) just in a few words, it's you cannot make me. (laughs) (laughs) Or I'd like to see you try. I wish a mother ever would. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. You've reached 40, so you're you're solidly into adulthood and it hasn't happened yet. I'm like, I'm going to stop wearing a bra pretty soon. (laughs) 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 Okay. No, you're not. No, you're not. not. I know. I'm like, I'm probably going to get a corset now. (laughs) (laughs) Corset. All right, well, this is a great spot for a break then, so we'll take a quick break. When we come back, more platinum-level content (laughs) all about Roxanne right after this. I nearly died when you jumped in, but you had to drown before you could swim. All right, welcome back to the show. This is a little reset. This is our special episode commemorating Roxanne's 40th birthday. She's our honored guest today. So we had two people sitting off mic in our last segment. They've decided to participate in the show. Roxanne, that would be your parents. The greatest people on earth. Let's please welcome to the show your mom, Elva, and your dad, Renee. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Thank you. You're very welcome. Glad to be here. Yes, glad to be here. We're glad to have you. I I think I mentioned, I don't know if I mentioned, I don't think I mentioned on the show, but I did this with my dad twice and my mom for her birthday. 
And so these just make for really special times because then you've kind of captured some things that were just in your memories and then you have them, you know, forever anytime you want to enjoy them. So this could be a really special time. Yes. So your sisters were on the last mm-hmm. segment. They had a few stories to tell. Some of those involved, involved your parents. Now I'm interested <laughs> in getting their perspectives. Who wants to start? I can start. Yeah. What was it like when I came into this world? <laughs> well, uh, let me say that, first of all, I was totally out of my element because I grew up with three older brothers. Interesting. I was the only girl, the youngest, and I was a total tomboy. So then I get married, and I have first the two girls, Rosemary and Rebecca, and I didn't even know what to do with them. So then uh, my third baby, I thought I kind of decided, okay, this is going to be a boy. We'll name him David. And I made a little quilt with trains and baseball bat and stuff on it. And um, then when she was actually born, it was such an easy birth. And um, the doctor held her up and said, it's a girl. And I just felt the surge of joy. Uh, I, I don't know how to describe it. Uh, anytime you give birth to a baby, you know, it, it's a miraculous thing and you feel such joy. And that's exactly what I felt with her. My girl, my baby girl. <laughs> so so, so after, ha- after having two girls, why were you so convinced you were going to have a boy? I don't know. Just a feeling. <laughs> there were so many boys in my family. Sure. Uh, I just I had always thought I would have boys. But I think even grandma thought. I was going to be a boy. I thought you were carrying me, or the way that I was carried, or something like the the wives' mm-hmm. tale, the way you carry the pregnancy. Like I have a feeling those are just wives' tales. But Everybody I mean, says, so yeah. I think the, the yeah. consensus, even mm-hmm. the doctor had thought, like everybody thought, I was going to be a boy. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and then I wanted a boy too. So. <laughs> he, had two, he had two girls, and he grew up with a bunch of sisters. So he oh, yeah. he wanted a boy. Wow! So you grew up in a house full of women. girls. Uh, yes, well, yeah. I, I have one brother, but we just two two, two and, boys. And where are you in the birth order? And then where is your brother in the birth order? They're I, both the youngest. I am. I am the youngest. My wife is the youngest. My brother is the Third. fourth. Fourth. I had three girls and then. He's no, Bebe is older no. than him. It goes Roosevelt, Gracie, and then him. And Mario, and then Bebe, and then Lila, and yeah. then him. So, yeah. yes, my dad had lots of siblings. Yeah. Wow. And so, are you, you and your brother were back to back? No, that was no, 10 years there, difference. There's eight, eight years. But just in the oh, order. Difference. Just in the order. No years. No. So, it's two girls. My dad's family goes two girls, a boy, two, two, more, girls, two more girls, and then a boy. And then me. Oh, I see. And the okay. last one. Wow. Mm-hmm. So he wanted a boy because my dad is, you know, a hunter sure. and an outdoorsman yep. and all of these things. And then, oh, look who came. Well, <laughs> well, well, let me add a little background here. You know, we had the two girls. Uh, they were a little bit older already, kind of settled. And uh, I went to visit my brother who lived in Washington, D.C. at the time. I was gone for about two weeks or so. And I got home, and I was using the rhythm method. (laughs) (laughs) And by that, she was not using anything. (laughs) Right, right. Uh, My husband and I had really missed each other. (laughs) uh, You missed each other enough to make another baby. (laughs) uh, He said, uh, I don't want to wait. And I said, well, I could get pregnant. And he said, well, I do want a son. (laughs) 
<laughs> and you know we rolled the dice and I did get pregnant and here I am <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. nine months later there's Roxanne and she was born smiling and she all her life you know you see all her pictures when she's little this big <laughs> wide smile on her face and she was just a joy she was such an easy baby uh, the first two years perfect and I'm thinking oh I have this motherhood thing down uh, but then you know the terrible twos and stuff and she just she started showing her personality really young like she was about two and we had a piano in the house the older girls were taking lessons and she would go round up everybody come and listen to me I'm going to play the piano and she'd make us all sit around in the living room and she'd Tinkle a few keys, and she'd turn around and say, okay, you can clap now. <laughs> tell, tell everyone how to respond. Yes, and we clap, and then... This is what happens next, because you're not doing it the right way. <laughs> and then she'd turn around and t- a few more keys, and then, okay, clap now. And this was, happened till I was like 10 different concerts. Oh, yes. I, a bongo drums. Just any instrument, I would say, I'm going to put on a concert and everybody's coming and I'd be like, and it's going to happen at 6.30. Wow. And you did, I would round everybody up. I knew no songs. It was no real musical talent. Mm-hmm. But you better be there or you're going to be in trouble. And then I trained him one to clap. <laughs> so you had a very, very amateur music career through your first 10 years of life. You know, the thing, I, I think I was destined to be a performer. I had the personality of a performer. People mm-hmm. used to tell my mom that I was going to be an actress or yes. I was going to be, you know, that growing up, the, when people, adults would meet me and they'd say, oh, she's going to be on TV one day. And I was like, no, I'm going to be a brain surgeon. Mm-hmm. And nothing turned out the way Instead, anybody you have thought. to settle for this crummy podcast. This is as close as you've gotten to show business. But, you know, but my life has turned out really well. So. But so I'd have to, I have the personality of an entertainer. I mean, can you hear my voice? <laughs> like, I can barely find enough air to talk, much less sing. And apparently, to play an instrument, you have to like practice. So that's not I've really that. my yeah. that's not really my thing either. <laughs> Practicing. So I like to be instantly good, or you know, I wasn't destined to do. Yeah, it. I can relate to that. I don't care for practicing things either. Yes. She won't if, do anything she's not good at. If it doesn't come easy, then I should it shouldn't come at all. <laughs> But but fortunately for you, you do have some natural gifts. I mean, you're, you're highly intelligent. We talked to, earlier in the show. You're about to complete your work to, to earn a PhD. So, I, you know, I I think so much of my intelligence is based on my affinity and love of reading. Mm-hmm. And so my mom would read to me chapter books from as long as I can remember. My other sister Rebecca actually, and I wish I would have thought of it when she was sitting here, but. One of my fondest memories of her would be on rainy days, you know, in the summer, and we can't go outside and play, and there's nothing to do. My sister Rebecca would sit and read me whole books in one day. So she would read me, like, Bridge to Terabithia in the whole wow. day, or wow. where the red fern grows. We'd just lay in a room and switch places on the bed over time. And so I was just read to my whole life. And so reading... And your grandmother would tell my you grandmother, stories. Oh, every night, my grandma would tell my grandma... We lived in a house, and there were two houses in between us, and my grandmother was there. 
and she's the Mexican grandmother, you know, very yeah. traditional. And so we would sleep at her house every night. We'd be like, screw you, mom and dad. Grandma's nice. We're going to grandma's house. So we walk down the street, go to grandma's house, and um, how good we behaved during the day would be how many stories my grandmother would tell us at night. So if we were like crappy kids, we were only going to get one story. But if we were like really good, then we could each get like two stories. And then she would just tell us like Big Bad Wolf, Goldilocks, all the nursery rhymes. The classics. And she would tell us, um, we'd get in the bed and it would be my sister Rebecca and Rosemary on one side and then Rosemary graduated and then me and my brother on the other. And my grandmother would say, come lay on my fat arms. And I have inherited now at 40, I have inherited my grandmother's <laughs> fat arms. But so that's what every night we would lay on her arms and she would tell us stories. So yes. question about that. Did Were you willing to sit through all day reading because you enjoyed reading or you think you developed a love for reading because of those experiences? I've always loved, I mean, even the Bible stories, you know, the youngest books I remember, we had the picture book Bible stories and, sure. I, and my mom would, I just always loved stories. Mm-hmm. Stories were always a part. So I always had an affinity for a Joseph because <laughs> I felt like my sisters persecuted me and I was the favorite. <laughs> I was the favorite child who was persecuted by my evil older siblings. And I could see that. <laughs> H- having met them, that all makes sense now. Yeah, they, they seem really like terrible people. They're so horrible. I, can't yeah. you tell how persecuted I am yes, as a human? Yes, I could, I could just see the evil just exuded out of them as they sat here and told stories. But so lots of stories, you know, we yes. just had a lot of stories. Even like my dad, one of my earliest memories of my dad, my parents are, were very religious and so we're Catholic and my dad used to do this thing where you act out the stations of the cross. So my dad would be Jesus and he would be like wearing a loincloth and a real crown of thorns with fake blood and he'd be like, on, he'd walk down carrying the cross and falling and coming up and then he'd be like, hang on the cross. Yes. And it's such a, my dad has always been such a quiet person. So I always think like, I can't, and he'd have the wig and the long Jesus hair and the beard. And I can't, I look at the pictures and I'm like, I can't imagine dad doing this. <laughs> <laughs> and yet he did. Yeah. He did it. I did it. Yeah. How about that? Uh, yeah, you did it. Yeah. But um, going back to being out of my element, Rebecca and Rosemary, uh, the older ones, they were, um, kind of afraid of us, you know, my husband and myself. They had an appropriate level of parental respect. Yes, parental respect. Mm-hmm. More respect than fear, I think. Sure. And um, then I, when Roxanne started growing older, she did not have that. <laughs> you know, Rebecca or Rosemary, uh, you know, I'm going to, you're going to have to go to your room or you're going to have to do this or that. And oh, they were terrified and oh. And Roxanne, you're going to have to go to your room or you're going to be grounded. Okay. <laughs> that was always her response. Okay. And I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> I don't know what to do with this. I don't know what to do <laughs> with this one. That's not the proper one. response. She's, she's not towing the line You're here. not following the script here. <laughs> yes. Right. I, exactly. I would, I would tell them, what can you do? You can't stop me. There is nothing you can really, I'm like, you can't tell me. But you can't make me. <laughs> and like they even had to put, I would sneak out of the house in middle school so much. They put an alarm on the house so that I would stop sneaking out of the house. So they got an alarm system and I would tell them it takes 30 seconds for it to go off. I'll be gone in the car. You can't make me do anything. You cannot stop me. Wow. So what do you do with a child and like so this? You remember, this? You remember when we were going somewhere? <laughs> and we were all in the car. I know what story <laughs> oh, you're telling. <laughs> yes. And she was misbehaving. 
And I told her to behave, or I was going to stop the car, and she kept on. So she, make her I, walk. Yeah, he's going to make me get out of the car and walk. Gonna, and I told her, okay, you're going to behave, you're going to get off the car, thinking, you know, she was going to be, what does she do? She, she gets, gets out off of the, the car. car. <laughs> I jump out of the car when he stops. He comes what? and stops, and I hop out. And I'm like, that's fine, I'll walk. So I was not expecting that. <laughs> yeah. And, so and, then yeah. I had to put the car in reverse. And then he told me, get in. He told me, get in. And I said, no. <laughs> wow. Uh-huh. I saw. I remember I saw that coming the minute he said, I'm going to stop the car and make you walk. Oh, and I'm oh, thinking, oh, dear. he doesn't realize that she's going to get out and walk and she doesn't care. She's happy to do this. Yes. <laughs> happy to walk. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sure so, this, so this yeah. begs a very basic fundamental question, which is, where did this level of rebellion come from? I think I have what is now um, called oppositional defiant disorder. I don't like for people to tell me what to do. But, but if I choose to do it, that's fine. But I don't like authority to be lorded over me. Or I'm going to rebel against it. Okay, I'm going to dig a little more deeply into this because no human being really, to their core, likes for someone to be telling them what to do all the time, but you really didn't like it. Well, no, here's the thing. I really realized that there's no real consequences. My daddy would belt me until I would I would tell him. He would say, you're going to do this or get a belting, and I'd say, go ahead and belt me. Like, he's not going to beat me to death. There's only so many times you can be hit, and it only hurts for a short amount of time. So my dad wow. would just beat me, and I, I would say, like, I'm not. You can't make me. He'd say, are you going to do it? And I'd say, no. And he'd belt me. Are you going to do it? And I'd say, no. And I'm like, this is just a <laughs> test of will. And if, okay. if, anything is, if all it comes down to is a test of will... I have the strongest will of anybody. <laughs> all right. Well, then I, then I think, and we obviously we could dig, dig even more deeply, but I think we've maybe arrived at the real point is really you're an extremely strong-willed person. That's really where it came from. <laughs> yes. Like you're going to decide for yourself. And I'm going to do what I want. And, and it comes from your strength of will. And then the expectation is that everybody else around me should want the same things that I do. <laughs> because <laughs> why wouldn't they? <laughs> of course. Makes perfect sense. I'm like, Hello. Okay. All right. <laughs> the first time she said, you can't make me. What are you going to do to me? And I thought, oh, my God, she's right. What, what, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not going to beat her. What I'm age, not going to send her away. I'm a, <laughs> Elva, what age was that when the, she first said that? Do you remember? Around? Maybe four. Goodness gracious. <laughs> she was young. She was, she wow. was not you in school yet. You can't make me do anything. And I was definitely out of my element. How do you handle a child who does not care about, about the consequences? The consequences? Yeah. And I tried to find something she the would ultimate care trump about. Card. And no, I never, I never found it. So, no. So, so I, if I asked you the question, did you ever sort that out? The answer is no. You no. never, you never. By the time I was really. done with high school, I did what I want. They, I didn't have a curfew. I did what I want. I would just call them and let them know where I was and what I was doing because they couldn't control me. And that was the only way they could have contact with me. And so I just did what I wanted. It was a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> and then... So, so, you, so you never were able to, either of you, able to settle into any level of comfort with that arrangement? Oh, no. no. I mean, no. understandably not, but, but you just... I just pins and needles their entire adolescence. Yes, yes, and goodness gracious. And then Rosemary and Rebecca would get so upset. 
you let her get a tattoo? I said, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't let her get I a tattoo. I told her. She's no. 16 and went and found a place and got her a tattoo when she's 16. <laughs> I told her no. And she went, I can't be with her 24 hours a day. That's I mean, fair. That's and, fair. And where there is a will, there is a way. And if I want something, well, and, yeah, it will happen. We, we've now established that that's, <laughs> that's really the baseline here. Okay. I just did a lot of praying. and Yeah. <laughs> I turned out okay. Keeping vigil and... <laughs> Well, there, there's a lot more to say in between, and we can share some of that, but we're here celebrating her 40th birthday, so... <laughs> she made fine. it! She right? Made it. She survived she herself. Good. Yes. Well, I'm employable. I hold an adult <laughs> job. I'm like, I too take authority from some people. Well, I mean, you, you're about to be... You're about to earn your PhD, so <laughs> so you you are willing to stay within the lines to some degree. To some degree, yes. And I was gratified at some point. She was already grown, and she... It finally looked like she was going to be okay. (laughs) She said, what saved me was that I knew that you and dad loved me. Mm. And I could not make the really bad choices because it would hurt you. And I couldn't do that to you. Interesting. Yeah. And so I was like, thank God. (laughs) We made it. Yes. Well, and, and for any other parents that are listening, I mean, the power of the love of a parent for their child, no matter how the parent is responding, is that's an incredibly profound and powerful thing. And she said she always knew and felt that we loved I always her. felt loved. I mean, I'm not going to listen to you, but that doesn't mean I don't feel loved. I don't respect your authority, but I know you love me and I love you. And so, sure. I mean, there were times in my life where I was living a very, very crazy, dangerous lifestyle and... I would see people doing things that were going to damage their lives forever. And I thought, you know, I can't do that. You know, I had a friend who tried to get me to become a stripper with her. And I thought, I went with her to the strip club and I had never been in a strip club. And I went in there and it was like in the afternoon. And so you're trying out in the afternoon to be a stripper. And I just looked in there and I looked at these men and I thought... This is a town that is 45 minutes from my town. There is no way that I can do this, that it's not going to come back to my father, that I'm a stripper. And I thought, there are just some lines that I will not cross Mm -hmm. to hurt my parents. (laughs) Like, I would never do that to my father. (laughs) I wasn't, even though I wasn't, they didn't have control over me, they did try to raise me, right? (laughs) All of those, all of those, even though I didn't ever do what they told me to do, all of those lessons weren't lost. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They just weren't listened to at the time. And so I just, you know, I never thought I was going to be a horrible mess up forever. I just thought I was going to do what I wanted. I I think this whole, this whole, the the common thread here is the planting of seeds, right? Mm. I mean, you couldn't do anything to get her to do or not do what you wanted, but you were able to plant seeds. And I, you know, I would let her know. I, I, I don't like it when you drink. I don't like it if you take drugs. I don't like these behaviors. I wish you wouldn't do them. No, I can't handcuff you and be with you. Right. But I don't approve of this, and it hurts me. And so to be here at 40 
And we made it. Yeah, as, as I pick so up my drink, special. <laughs> as you sip from your mimosa. Yes, I sip from my mimosa. As you have a back full of tattoos. <laughs> yes. Oh, my grandmother. I mean, she was such a part of my life. My grandmother used to tell me, if you, and I was from a young child, I would say, when I'm older, I'm having lots of tattoos. And they would tell me, no, you're not. And I would say, yes, I am. I mean, I knew from when I was a young child, before tattoos were popular, I was like, when I'm old, I'm going to have a lot of tattoos. Now, why is that? What drew you to tattoos? Because I was told that I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> because <That's a> <laughs> because it's, it was socially unacceptable. And so I was just going to push the boundary. You, you, know, know? you should have told her, there is no way we're feeding you green beans. You are not eating vegetables. <laughs> oh, I've always been a good, no, I've always been a good eater. Oh, yeah. She's <laughs> always loved to We eat. will not let you go to bed on time. You will not go to bed early. <laughs> we're going to keep you up forever. <laughs> But, you know, I mean, it all just kind of, well, and then I was very sick in my 20s. And so, you know, me being sick in my 20s, while my parents couldn't get me in line, life humbled me. (laughs) So while, while they couldn't tell me what to do, the universe told me what to do. And it was like, you could be really sick and you could die. And then that got humbled. Yeah, Life does have natural consequences (laughs) built in, does it not? It it really, really does. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It changed me. It made me more appreciative. And this changed me, being sick. So I'm glad to be alive at 40. I told Elva, like my mom, when I was really sick, and I was at a period of about three months when I was in and out of the hospital nonstop, having surgery after surgery after surgery. And it's like, for those three months for my mom, it was like her having a presidential term. Like those three months aged my mother (laughs) The same as being a, a United States president. Sure. Like yeah. just be, and then I was like, it became a routine. And so I was going to be in the hospital and my mom couldn't miss any more work. And she was like, I have to be there. And I'm like, why? I mean, like, you don't have to be in the hospital because I'm going to be in the hospital. Like, I'm used to the hospital. It's fine. And it just, she killed you to not be able to go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And when I was with her and she said you stayed with me the whole time and I said of course (laughs) you're my daughter I love you I'm gonna do whatever (laughs) I can and I'm gonna be here for you but I mean I would have been fine I'm always gonna be fine I guess that's what I'm trying to tell I've been trying to tell everybody my whole life I can just I can do it on my own people I'm gonna be okay well you're 40 now I think I know that you can do it on your own but when you were 14 16 oh my (laughs) but hey it's like my dad used to tell me I'm smarter than the average bear (laughs) Uh, you're probably smarter than the average human much less bear so So it's been a real adventure yes it's been a real adventure and and it's not over yet. I love all my children. <laughs> all of sure. them. But today is Roxanne's day. <laughs> Everybody knows I'm the favorite. Stop, drop the act. Everybody knows I'm the favorite. <laughs> you are not the favorite. Ask any one of them. Call any one of them and say, who is, who is your parents' favorite? Roxanne? <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe we are your favorites. You guys are my favorite, but I am the favorite. <laughs> so, which yeah. came first? Were y'all my favorites or I was the favorite first? I'm pretty sure it was y'all's favorite first. The things we have done for you and gone through with you, we uh, would do with any of my children. <laughs> Thankfully, you didn't have to do it with all of them. It just so wasn't necessary. I, yeah. I, I wouldn't have survived. <laughs> 
but no. Uh, well, this is probably a good segue into my younger brother, who yeah. I had a yes. whole lot of control over. <laughs> yes. Yeah, okay. Well, that's a whole different story. <laughs> Renee, Elva, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you, thank you so us, yeah. much for this, Chris. Uh, it really means a lot to get this uh, in, in this forum and to have these stories. Thank you. You're very yes, welcome. Thank ha- you very much. So much. Happy to do it, truly. Yes. Okay, well, let's take another break. When we come back... Part three. The youngest. The younger Roxanne's brother. younger brother, Junior, right after this. All right. Take the whole back. All right, welcome back to the show. This is our special episode commemorating the 40th birthday of Roxanne Knowles, my sister-in-law. We've had previous segments with Roxanne's parents and sisters. Now we're back for our third segment with Roxanne's youngest sibling, Junior. Welcome to the show. Hello. How's everybody doing? Oh, awesome. God. <laughs> God, everybody's doing good. <laughs> so first of all, what I would like to put in context is we got a little bit of it with my sisters where that I wanted everything to do with them and they really wanted nothing to do with me. And so they're closer in age and then there's a four-year gap and then my brother and I are the same age apart okay. as the older two. And so, you know, when I was rejected from them all of the time... Well, a couple of years later, lo and behold, I had my own private audience. <laughs> you had a buddy. You had a little buddy. My lifelong, whether he wanted it or not, partner in crime. And just, oh, I was all about it. I, was I, mean, I, had, no, I had no, I didn't know any better. All around, like, best bud. My yeah. built-in best friend, my younger brother. <laughs> so, I mean, we had a love-hate relationship because I would try to do the things that I fell for from Rebecca being mean to me. I would try to trick my brother. And so I would tell him outlandish things that I had believed from Rebecca. Rebecca once told me that I was adopted and really made an elaborate, elaborate story about how why I was really wow. adopted. And then I believed it and I'm crying. And then I'm So I would like try to pull that on Junior and he'd be like, uh-uh. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I remember being scared of the watermelon seed in my stomach. Like, <laughs> yeah. I was really and the watermelon's going to grow in this. You're going to eat a watermelon seed and it's going to grow into a watermelon <laughs> in your stomach and it's going to kill you. Dun, 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 dun. I, I was like seriously scared of that. Right. So you're saying that's not true. That doesn't happen. I think you poop it out. I okay, think that's right. a consensus now. Okay. Hopefully, I mean, I have gained a little bit of weight. <laughs> it could be a watermelon in your stomach. <laughs> Right. It would be even better if it was a baby. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. No, it would not. <laughs> no, no, no. No. No, no, no. Yeah, so I guess I was um, 40 and you're 37, I think, right? No, I'm 27. <laughs> what? <laughs> no. He's, he's 13 no. years younger. No, no, no. Three years younger. 13 years younger. No, no, no. I'm not 37. I think... Um, Maybe you could talk, Junior, about what it must. What was it like for you having to be my younger brother growing up? What was that experience like? Well, in a small town with someone who has a strong personality. Mm-hmm. Well, it was definitely never boring. Honestly, I think the first one of the first memories I have, and we were obviously toddlers because mom was home alone with us, and you weren't in school yet. 
But so I remember thinking, I wonder what will Roxanne will do if I just slap her, like hit her. <laughs> I mean, I was a little baby. I was probably going, uh, I just hit you. And you turn around and hit me right back. <laughs> I probably started crying and then mom got mad at you. But that was one of the first things, I, one of the first memories I have is, okay, well, you can't hit her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I know that usually into this day, if, if I am... It's not a good idea to hit me. True. <laughs> yeah. It's not good to poke the bear. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, and it's so funny because like, I think I'm such a nice person, but I think all of my family members like think of me as like the bear. Like mm-hmm. they, nobody wants to, you see what I like about you, Chris Green is you and I can debate because you don't have this backstory of fear. <laughs> so like you and I can like get into an argument that makes other people uncomfortable and we're okay with it. You mean like fear of you? I don't have a fear yeah, of you. Yeah, I, you don't, I would never say it's fear. I would say I would say more that this is a battle that's never going to be won. This is a battle that's going to go on for a decade. And I have more. Just, let me conserve my resources and just concede. I will say that um, I... I can persevere, you know, with things, whether it is for good or bad. <laughs> well, everyone that's sat down with us, the listener now knows that the common theme is that they recognize your strength of will. <laughs> I, am a, if, I mean, I, if I'm going to do something and it becomes a contest of will, it's not a contest. Uh, it's just not a battle <laughs> I that can, I'm willing There is to. no amount of misery that I won't live through to, to, <laughs> to win a point. A, to, to prove, prove a point. A point. Uh, yes. Sam will... Yeah, that she is by far the most stubborn person. If it's going to prove a point, she will suffer. Whereas I'm like, I feel like I'll take um, a loss. I, I don't want to go through this. I'll just, <laughs> you know what? I'm wrong. I I'm feel wrong. like I feel Let's like be friends now. Anybody who listens to this, you're going to start making like survivors clubs for my husband. <laughs> like, save Chris Knowles, rescue him from the wrath of Roxanne. <laughs> Well, hold on to that thought because we explored this in the first episode three years ago with when we sat down with you and Chris, but but you guys have your own personality characteristics, and we talked about that dynamic. We'll revisit that when Chris comes back and sits down. I mean, but I think for as much as I'm the worst person in the world sometimes... I don't think you're the worst person. You just, <laughs> you just rock sound. <laughs> but I'm also a very caring, loving person. No, you're not vindictive. You don't go out to ruin people's days by any means. You're not a bad person. <laughs> But, you know. If something needs to be said, I'm going to say it. Yeah. I mean. If there's a point to be made, you could probably be paid to make that point. <laughs> you would be the queen of filibusters if you were a politician. <laughs> you would be more than willing. I will stand up here for 24 hours. <laughs> to prove a point. No. and Yeah. But, yeah. But, so, you know, in junior, he's... I would say, would you say that you're the most introverted of the four of us? Probably. I I don't know. Maybe Rebecca, but no. You yeah, have Rebecca or Simran. So Rosemary and I are pretty type A. We're out there going and doing what we want and expecting mm-hmm. it of other people. And Rebecca and Junior are a little calmer, a little nicer. Well, I, uh, Roxanne, you understand this as well as anybody, but uh, quiet doesn't necessarily mean introvert. Introvert doesn't necessarily mean quiet. There's a spectrum of both of those things. But yeah, you, no, I mean, I, you've never loved people quite. No, I mean, I enjoy being in social situations if I choose to be there. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, I mean, you know, the way I grew up is like, you're never going to get a word in. So just. <laughs> Three sisters, me, no. Never get a word in. Yeah, yeah, I never get to eat the restaurant I want. It's never going to happen. So just, you know, keep it to yourself. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, but like, you know, like I was 
pretty popular in high school, like in middle school, like I had a lot of friends. So I feel like it's just, you know, after coming from such a, I'm, I'm not as strong a personality as social, socialist, like, so not socialist, but like socialite. <laughs> I don't do all that. Like, it's not my forte, but you know. I but you know, I, I would always also though try to be like, don't fuck with my little brother. I'd be like, anybody, if I hear anybody like messing with my brother or trying to like do something to my brother, I'd be like, Oh, I, be, I wish you would, because I'm going to come around and get you. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, no, I would try to use all of my power in our small town. I mean, I would. No, I definitely had it really easy in <laughs> high school, because Roxanne was supposed to be a senior my freshman year of, of high school, but she graduated early. I finished high school in three but years. So a lot of Roxanne's <laughs> friends watched out for me, took care of me, and when people would be like, oh, this this guy, uh, at the same time, I did look like I was a senior when I was a freshman. Cause I had he a had a beard. beard since middle school. Oh, see, I, <laughs> so, I, I like, envy that because I was the opposite. <laughs> so they're like, who is this weird kid? Where did he come from? He knows all these seniors, blah, 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 blah. But then like, yeah, Roxanne's friends always talk to me. Um, I remember Liz sat with me a couple times at lunch because mm-hmm. she didn't know anybody. She was like, well, I know you <laughs> <laughs> and you're cool and I don't care how it looks. So I know you and I can talk about whatever with you. So Yeah. And that, so like for me, though, that's, that's what it's kind of like in a small town, though, you know, because even for me, Rosemary was the eldest and she was like most beautiful in her class and she was, you know, super smart and this and this. So Rosemary was like kind of like the smart one. Then there was Rebecca who... We just When I started high school, Rebecca had just been a senior the year before. So when I started high school, Rebecca's friends would sit with me as a freshman. And I would get the benefit of knowing these things. And so it was kind of like the, the passing on of the, like, you know, the benefits of just being in, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, like, I remember I went to a, a party with Roxanne and her friends. And my student teacher, my PE coaches were there. And they're like, what are you doing here? I'm like... That's right. I belong here. I know more people here than you do. <laughs> so, it kind of, made it really easy for me. But I would try. But I mean, you know, I did just know a lot of the older people, and you know. But then you know, it came older. Like Roxanne would break up with her boyfriend, and she'd be like, "Oh, I'm gonna come hang out with you and your friends." When I was like a sophomore, like senior in high school, I was like, "Well, I mean, that's fine, I guess." <laughs> I mean, I'm used to you. You're probably going to scare them all, but... <laughs> Everybody loves me. What are you talking about? It's <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, they're like, oh. Then my like my girlfriends would be like, try and be like buddy-buddy to Roxanne. I was like, she's going to crush you. <laughs> you cannot keep up with my sister. <laughs> well, I mean, some friends, like Lindsay and Amy were going to try to come today. So my, here's the great thing. That, the oh, that would be nice. The gift can. that my brother has given me is he gave me the gift of good music. Mm. My brother gave me music. So much of our memories, I think, of our memories are so enmeshed in music. Like music is the thing that we have shared for so much of our lives, you know, and just concerts. I can't count the concerts we've been to together, the albums we have just sat and listened to a song on repeat, like repetitively oh, for an yeah. hour. I mean, that is one real, like, because music has always been a part of my life. I don't know how it was when you were a kid, but like some of the earliest memories I have are mom playing folk guitar. music on the guitar. My mom played guitar, sang at the church, oh, wow. taught at our little Catholic school music class. Like, And then, you know, in the 80s, like Rebecca... And Charmaine, Rosemary, they were Smith, all about the cure, the, the Smiths, the, cure. the House Martin, so many random bands and like that's, yeah, and that's what like my musical foundation was based upon. So I I always feel like 
Do 120 minutes, MTV, 120 minutes. So, sure. like, even a lot of my friends were like, you know, the most obscure things about music. Like, if I remember I call you Matt Pinfield forever. And I, like, I oh, always call well, him Matt Pinfield. It's, it's funny be like, you mentioned this band. It's produced by so and so. And I'm like, I can't even know the real name of a song. And you know, like, the producer. And wow. who's, well, know? this is actually a cover from a song from 1980. <laughs> <laughs> he has a lot of musical stuff in the brain. So, Junior, what are some of the bands or even specific songs that give you uh, that you have the strongest memories of that you guys shared together oh i definitely say depeche mode and the smiths and the cure or like the heavy three that i always heard and even to this day when i listen to them it brings back memories of being i don't even know how old i was but just being um long road trips in the van with my parents <laughs> um just a um, lot of just reminiscing. Jane's addiction. So well, I that think, was when I was a bit older. Well, that was me, like so that was my Jane's addiction. But I think for me, school for me, one of the songs or the the songs that I associate so much with my brother now as an adult are Grant Lee Buffalo. You know, honey, don't think, mm-hmm. and the whole um, it's the whole shebang all on that soundtrack. The um, Velvet Goldmine from the soundtrack. Velvet Goldmine soundtrack. What yeah. is this? The Velvet Goldmine. It's a movie that came out like in 1998, With, like, 1999. Uh, Jeremy uh, Reese or Johnny Reese. What's his Jonathan name? Jonathan Reese Myers. Yeah. Um, and what's the one song that you? Well, it's a musical. The whole shebang. And it's so based it's a, about a David Bowie's life. Yeah, it's a fictional take of David Bowie and Iggy Pop. Oh, and wow. they made it a, a movie musical. And we love that soundtrack. Yeah, and we it just listen to it. It's an extremely awesome soundtrack. If anybody is a fan of glam music, you probably already know the, mm. the soundtrack. It's a lot of great covers, a lot of original work by like Shudder to Think, Grant Lee Buffalo. Oh, gosh, um, we love Tom that York, so much. Tom York from Radiohead does a couple oh, yeah. songs on there. It's an amazing I, I like Hedwig. I think uh, musicals, Hedwig and the Angry Inch, I always, mm-hmm. whenever I hear Wig in the Box, I always think of us just like sitting there listening to it again and again and being like, no, start it. Like we're not Let's even through. Like we're not <laughs> even through with the song. Let's start it again. Start it again. Start it again. But did you hear that? Did you hear that progression? <laughs> just talking Doesn't about that music. Progression, doesn't that progression kind of remind you of this song by somebody else? And then we go into the vortex. Like he and I used to just be, when we were old enough to like drink together, we just sometimes sit and drink at the, after like going out to a show or something something come back start drinking together and just go into music songs let me play this for you the vortex what do you think of this song and then this and then this what kind of reminds me of this and the next thing it's eight in the morning and it's like okay we've got to go to bed no more music we have to go to bed yeah Um, music has always been like i think one thing we've really had in common yeah we've we've always shared music so junior what's your favorite cure smiths or depeche mode song well, I have one for each. <laughs> Please. <laughs> I, I thought you might. That's why. Maybe like two or three, but I can definitely narrow it down. Yeah, bring Hold it. On. Um, I think for Depeche Mode, I would have to probably go with Shake the Disease. I really like what the lyrics say for that song. Yeah. Um, and I like the kind of dark theme that Depeche Mode kind of went into when they had first lost um, Vincent Clark. He wanted to go with Yaz and Erasure. Oh, but Yaz, but upstairs in there, I'm like, oh, we can't, let's not forget about Yaz. Oh, no, of course I can never. <laughs> I mean, I love Vincent Yaz, Clark. I think I he's think amazing. But, you know, they kind of went in a really dark direction after his, like, super poppy mm-hmm. sound. And with the Smiths, I always go to Ask or Golden Lights. I think it's just because I think they're one after the other. I'm like, Louder than bombs. What's the name of the song that I like? You know, I never know the names of the song. Uh, uh, the stretch call, out and wait. Stretch out and wait is. My, see, I'm like my brother knows the names <laughs> of my, my favorite things for me. Oh, uh, that's just one of the ways my brain works. Is if it's anything about music, 
like if you can like, access there's the like, files. There's that game show where it's like, we'll play you like a two second. Name clip. that tune. And I'm like, bam, I know it. If I know it, I know it in like <laughs> two seconds. Two, yeah, two progressions of the so rhythm. You could, you could probably wreck at the board game Songburst. <laughs> well, yeah, I've actually thought about playing it, but I'm, but, like, I'm um, lazy. So that the difference between Junior and I though is that we share such a common love for music together, but we listened to music completely differently. I, I listen to lyrics. I wrote poetry. Like I'm a very word-driven, narrative-driven, word-heavy like, person. I'm more like 101 Dalmatians. Rhythm first, lyrics after. <laughs> yeah. okay. no, and so he's always like, we'll hear a new song that we love and we'll be like listening to it obsessively. And I'm like, oh my God, this lyric breaks my heart. And he'll be like, oh my God, listen to this bass line. The bass line's going to come in. You know, like we listen to music. We love the same music, but listen to it completely from different angles. That's great, though. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, a lot of times, I don't even know what lyrics are about. <laughs> but I like, I love the song. But, but you had picked a, was it the Smiths or the Punishment the song that you like because of the lyrics? Cure? You cure? You hadn't said what the cure Yeah, no, give me a cure, cure song that you like. Of a lot, though. Just on the way up here yesterday, I listened to... <gasps> Glam- six, Glamour or wait, wait, wait? No, Love Cats and then Six Different Ways. <sighs> I love those two songs. Um, What's the name of the song that I like? I don't know the name of um, it. But you know what song I'm talking about. I know about exactly what song you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. I used to try to sometimes catch her, but I'll never even call her, her name. name. Yes, that's my favorite. So, like, he knows all of my favorites, and I expect him to catalog the names for me. Well, I know everybody's everyone's favorites. If you spend any time listening to music with me, I'll probably memorize your whole favorite song. Are you aware that that is not how it goes? It's coming back to ACL this year. Yeah, Are I you aware that The Cure is about to put out fresh Music. material? I've never been a fan of their fresh material, but <laughs> I always give it a chance. I always give it a chance, but it's kind of hard to, because like the way brains work is you've heard the same thing for 20 years. You're not really willing to entertain. And that's why a lot of times kids, kids hate their parents' music, but there was a different, that was different taste, different stylings, different everything back then. Now I'm kind of trying to see that now when I work with these young kids is like I'm trying to have an open mind to their music taste. But let's think what what are some of our favorite concerts together that we've been to? We have been to innumerable concerts and uh, shows well, together. Chris Isaac in the that rain. That was an extremely <laughs> awesome show. He, Chris Isaac is I think he's definitely in the top three of the best live performances and I've so ever seen. So we saw wow. Chris Isaac at the um, the backyard in Austin before it was redone. So the old backyard with the beautiful trees, the real You You may not backyard. like his music, but he put on an extremely great show. He's such a showman. And he came so out charismatic. Elvis bedazzled, sure. big shoulder pads, and it's raining and we're sitting in the rain and he's walking through the crowd Inter- and wow. the aisles like entertaining and his, the audience and like with his guitar interacting in the with the audience Just entertaining like, wow. the audience like a hoss you don't, you don't really get a lot of that these days where people interact with the audience after every song like two, three minutes just to chat with the Talking, audience. Talking, telling stories. I love that singer-songwriter performance. Like that kind of Towns Van Zandt, I'm at the Saxon Pub, you know, like I've been that back like, and I don't forth. know what time y'all got to call tonight, but we, we've been together 20 years. We'll, we'll be here till y'all got to go home. <laughs> yeah. Just so, willing to, willing to. But that's one of my, that comes to the top of my mind for us. What's another good one that we've, I mean, we've been to well, so many. I think when we went to Lollapalooza, I think in 1998 or oh, 1999. Oh, geez. Who was there? Because I can't remember. Oh, I remember. Snoop? Was Snoop Dogg there? James. I don't know if I remember James. Oh, yes. Uh-oh, of course. Yes. Yeah. I nearly drowned when you yeah. jumped in. Yes, James. Play, but of course, you know, I was heavy back then, so I couldn't be out in the sun for that. <laughs> but uh, James played, Snoop Dogg played, Tool played, this, Prodigy played. 
This is a story that uh, illustrates what a horrible corn was supposed, person. Corn was supposed to play. But I am, they did not. but what a generous person I am. So I was what probably eighteen. So you're probably like I was 14, 15. fifteen. You're I think 15. I was going to go into my sophomore year. And I was ta- I take him to this big. Lo- I take him to Lollapalooza, and you know we have like weed, we have cocaine, and I have only a little bit of LSD. <laughs> and so, like because I I'm a, the fifth. because I'm a good sister. I gave him the last of my LSD. I didn't get. I didn't get to take it that day. I. I think it was more that you and your boyfriend at the time were. Neither of you wanted to let the other one do it, so I was like, "We'll just give it to your brother." I was like, "I guess that's a fair compromise." But you know, like I'm the great big sister giving my 15 year old brother mm-hmm. LSD. But you know, it opens your mind. Well, nobody else can say it. not any. A lot of people, especially my age group, can be like, "Oh yeah, I saw Tool and Prodigy on LSD." And the guy from Prodigy like just died. The guy from Prodigy. I know, died. and that's really depressing yeah, because mm-hmm. just died. Prodigy, like I know, a lot of people don't consider them like a great musical. Act. No, but they are. Apartment. <laughs> he should have talked for the apartment. They are a great musical act. Um, <laughs> Liam Howlett, the main driving force behind it is amazing at putting together music sampling different things and putting it together to make a cohesive rhythm especially for their first three albums they're completely amazing whether you like electronic music or not they're just completely amazing to think that somebody actually sifted through hours and hours of samples and paint and this was before like now it's like everything's digital (laughs) somebody sat through programmed samples and painstakingly did all that and then, he, and then he's like you guys are my friends y'all been my dancers at my shows let why don't y'all add some lyrics <laughs> <laughs> y'all can get paid finally well like, and and on on firestarter they made keith flint the they put him star. in the video the star of the video and that launched his career well, it, kind of, it kind of brought prodigy to america as well yeah which kind of opened the door for well, the we were really into psychedelics the two of us mm-hmm. so we like, were very into the the burgeoning EDM movement. It wasn't yeah. even called EDM uh, back Moby then. Moby back then was huge. Oh, Moby. The yeah. uh, Hacker soundtrack. Oh my gosh, well, that Prodigy, Hackers. Prodigy is a huge, huge one on the Hacker that. soundtrack. That yeah. was a good movie and a good soundtrack. <laughs> I mean, when you watch the movie now, you're kind of like, what is this technology they're talking about? This is <laughs> so not, stupid. This did not make any, that never but took off. But then it was like high tech. I mean, it was yeah. a, with the little screens with the number. I mean, it mm-hmm. was very like pre-Matrix, yeah, like, like special effects, amazing. The couple hackers I have known are like, yeah, that's completely ludicrous Hollywood fantasy. But, <laughs> But it was such a great movie for us. We also share movies. We do have like... Oh, yes. yeah, of course. I mean, obviously, Labyrinth is like, Labyrinth. <laughs> like a huge part of my life. Labyrinth. Introducing me to David Bowie. Like, you know, David Dark Bowie. Crystal, Return to Oz. So many movies that we have. Return so to much Oz stuff. was one of the scariest movies I ever saw as a kid growing up. Yeah, and so we would watch it compulsively. He loves horror movies, and I hate horror movies. Mm. I don't like to be scared. Like, being scared isn't... that's. Anxiety isn't a pleasurable emotion for me. Yeah, me Some either. people apparently love it. I and love so, it. I mean, if a movie can creep me out and I think about that when I'm going to bed, I like what's, that. Junior, what's that movie? Um, It's like the dolls are evil and it's the antiques. And so people like come No, it's to called th- dolls. It's just called <laughs> dolls. <laughs> oh, my God. Antiques. Antiques. She means antiques. And she can't. It's She's like a British. It's well, like a very stereotypical. 
stereotypical British <laughs> punk. So from you the know 80s. she's gonna die. She can't say antiques right. You know the dolls are gonna kill her first, basically. But like I don't know why she's like. I mean, we came here looking for the antiques or something, and they were gonna yeah. try to rob it. Oh, so many movies. Oh, I, I just love. You know, I think the greatest thing about siblings is they are just people that go through so much time with you yeah. by force. And so you had just build up like Junior and I, I think more so than I did I with my older sisters, a repertoire of commonality, just things we have to share and love together. Well, it's, well it's, it just gives you tolerance for people in general. <laughs> it, they're, they're involuntary relationships that can turn into really deep friendships. Whether oh. you wanted it to be friends or not. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And boy, we, we have... Well, and I've told people too, it's like, you know what? That might have upset you. My sister may have made you cry, but that's my sister, and I'm always gonna. At the end of the day, she's always gonna be she my sister. She makes people cry sometimes. And I'm sorry that, that I'm sorry that you had to experience that, but you know. But I'm you sorry. know, Junior, you knew me at my most aggressive. Like I don't pour beers on people. Throw drink, I don't throw I don't throw drinks in people's faces anymore. I mean, I used to be aggressive, aggressive, and I'm not aggressive. Yeah, I remember you made Stephen cry, Angela's friend. Stephen, because <laughs> you had given. Oh, because I ticket. think he's a piece of an idiot. Um, because you were like, you didn't even say thank you for me selling you that ticket, you jerk. <laughs> like he like started crying later. I don't know if he actually cried or he was like super bummed out, and I was like. Well, I was like, what sort of piece of shit are you? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, I think it was just a beginner. Because he mean, didn't even hang out with us at all. And it's like, okay, well, that it was your friend that I I said I could sell you my ticket. I don't know. It was just like, you know, I'm sorry, man. Don't. I don't run my mouth, though, off on people the way that I used to. No, and it wasn't like you, like, I've seen you tell people a lot meaner things. I was like, oh, get over it. <laughs> You saw yeah. a great show. You had a great time. You know, pull yeah. your pants up. My and poor brother, on. like he's like, oh god, I'm gonna bring my sister. Oh, out. Is, that, is that all she told you? <laughs> like, you you got off like, easy. You're gonna meet my sister. Don't get on her bad side because she might make you cry. She might eat you. <laughs> I don't eat people. I just tell them what I think, and sometimes people aren't ready to hear the truth. <laughs> no, they're not. And I mean, it's, you know, it's just. A lot of people, it's like, you know, you are very opinionated and you're not scared to share your opinion whether or not people want to hear it. Well, so, here's I mean, the thing. If something needs to be said, I'm going to say it. But uh, Who else? Ready? have I, Whose feelings have I hurt of your friends? Oh, Lindsay. I remember Lindsay was like super offended when you had to visit her in New York. Oh, well, she needed that. <laughs> I'm not saying she did or she didn't. She's my friend. And you know, what happens, happens. That's none of my but business. But we became friends after that. Oh, I know. I mean, and that's the thing. And that's like a true testament is that you might hurt people's feelings. They may cry and be like, talk crap. Oh, your sister's crazy. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, well, you're still hanging out with her. <laughs> <laughs> well, so she and I were out in New York. And we meet a bunch of cute guys at a bar in New York. And, oh, man, I should have gone. And they, I don't know. And they, they, well, the guy worked for um, Soap Opera Network. And so he oh, knew all I of the soap guys. Gone. And he was like, he was like coming after me even after I left New York. But, you know, and she's like, we got in an argument in front of the guys. And then, of course, it's Lindsay, who is just as dramatic as I am. So Lindsay, like, stormed off drunk. And then it's like the whole night of, like, oh, we have to search for Lindsay. And Leo has to search for Lindsay. And I'm like, I'm not fucking looking for her. I'm like, I'm in New York and I can't have a good time. She'll find her way home or she won't. But how can I find her in a city of this many people? <laughs> oh, but And I always warn people. I always give them a fair warning. So when stuff like that happens, I'm like, I don't feel sorry for you. I warned you. I warned you that my sister can be a bit much. Yeah. <laughs> a bit much. I'm a bit much. Uh, sometimes. But I will say this in my sister's defense and how close we are. 
when I decided that it was time for me to come out of the closet, and this was in the 90s, like when it was not okay to like be gay, Roxanne was the first person I told in the family. So. Because you knew that I would love you. I mean, here's the thing. I, I'm hard on people because I'm hard on myself, but I love people. And so, you know, I was just like, okay, well, it's time for me to come out. I'll tell Roxanne. Yeah, so my brother came out to me first. Well, no, you told mom. No, I didn't tell mom first. I thought you told me you told mom first. No, I don't think I told mom. I waited for myself to get in trouble. And then mom was like telling me like I was in trouble. I don't remember (laughs) what I had done. And then mom was like, I (laughs) just don't know what's going on with you. And I was like, well, this is what's going on. This is my my get out of jail free card. This is what's going on with me. I'm gay and I just can't ever talk to you. (laughs) (laughs) No, I remember where we were. Um, I I had a Toyota to come out. I had a Toyota to come out. We're at the stop leaving our house by that that, orange building. That Mm -hmm. weird yellow, that weird wire. Shape mm-hmm. and you told me and I like saw the car and I had always known my brother was gay it was just like but the confirmation and then I remember like I was just so moved and like I started crying and I didn't cry because my brother was gay because I knew my brother was gay sure. I cried because I'm his big sister and I feel so protective of him yeah. and I cried because I knew that there are people in the world that might mistreat him and I can't be the way that I could be there and protect him in high school for who he was in the big world at large, I was so hurt that people could be mean to him about who he is, and yeah. I couldn't always be there to punch him in the face or kick him in the sure, nuts. You sure. Know? Junior, how old were you at the time? When you I think I was 16. I think 15 or 16 when you came out, yeah. I think I was 16, because that's when I was like, and it was never like a conscious choice to like come out of the closet. It was more like, I made the bad choice of trusting some girls in high school that were my friends in middle school. And of course, I Can- told them. I'm like, who, Candace? No, I'm joking. Well, actually, I don't, think, I don't think it was her. I think it was Patty. Patty. <laughs> I, think I, I know all his friends and all his And I think it was Patty because, because Candace, well, I don't think she would do that because I knew 20 times more, <laughs> more dirt things. about her since middle school. <laughs> but that's besides the point. I'm pretty sure it was Patty. But it was like, well, I'm not going to lie about this. I'm not going to deny it. And I'm just like, you know what? My sister's had a lot of people say things about her. And she's her whole attitude has been like, and so what? <laughs> That's me. Like. And so that was like my whole take on it. I was like, you know what? And so what? I'm not going to deny it. And what? And what? I'm gay. So, so what? So what? <laughs> so what? And then it kind of just shuts people's argument down. Like they're trying to come at you and it's like, and I think that's a huge lesson I've learned from my sister is like anytime people are trying to attack you and they're saying anything bad about you and it's like, and, <laughs> and, so and what? what else? <laughs> Who cares? I admit it. And what? And what? What's really bad about that? Other than you trying to say that about me. Well, so what? So, <laughs> so what? I can link that back to the sorts of manipulative things that I said used to do with Rosemary. Blackmail my sister for over a whole year. (laughs) And then it's like, but the reality that I was learning to understand is I have, the only power I have over her is what she thinks in her head. So that understanding that people having power over you it's a concept in their head that they think that yeah. they have power over you. Yeah. So the minute you diffuse that power and they're like, okay, I hear what you're saying, like, so geez. what? And, like, and then you diffuse them and you take away a, their power. It's such a great trump card <laughs> over, well, over whatever I mean, like, they're trying to do to you. Yeah, in, you take away the power. Yeah. And in pop culture, one huge instance is when Madonna was first becoming like a huge thing and Playboy published pictures of her before she was famous posing nude. Mm-hmm. And she's like, and? <laughs> right. <laughs> That's me. I'm so, naked. I'm hot. Great. <laughs> Like, next. And what? And next. Yeah. And so what? <laughs> so I pose naked. Who cares? Next. Yeah. 
<laughs> That's Versus, great. Like a lot of times now when there's ever like a scandal, celebrities are like, they backtrack or try to make excuses. It's like, I'm a human being. Who cares? I make mistakes. My life isn't perfect. I'm never trying to be perfect. Like, who cares? Yeah. So yeah. what? So what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did it. I admit it. I mean, I think oftentimes people come at, when someone wants to have power over you or control a situation, they come very accusatory. So they're going to come at you and they're going to accuse you of something. So if you just didn't say, okay, yes, that happened, you, they immediately lose their power instantaneously because right. what they wanted was denial or they wanted to meet resistance. I think a so, lot of times it's shame. They want to shame you into <laughs> feeling like you should feel bad about this. And I if agree. you don't, and, and if right. you don't, you diffuse it. Yep. Like, uh, you, you have no power like over Like a me. couple years ago, <laughs> somebody was trying to sell pictures of Sia naked on a nude beach to like Tabloid paparazzi. And she's like, you know what? I'm going to put them on my Twitter. Here you go. They're free. <laughs> They're free. That way you, you can't make money off of you me. You want to see my ass? Here's my big fat ass from behind. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like okay well they just lost a lot of money and now they feel stupid well you just you disenfranchise people you say you don't have power over me anymore I like, yeah I completely own my situation I'm in control of who I am I do what I want and you can't make me feel bad about my life and what like these are the choices that I've made if I own up to everything I've chosen to do in my life yeah. Well, I think that's the hair underlying thing. Nobody can make you feel anything you don't choose to accept. Yeah, if yeah. if somebody wants to make you that it's your choice to feel bad about it. Yeah. Like or it can be like, okay. <laughs> well, I hear what you're saying. Um, see you later. <laughs> yeah. Adios. That's a great point. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'm so glad to share this time with you, Junior. You are my precious pearl and my baby brother. I love this man more than Oh, I mean, geez, I love this man so much. He is one of the most important people in the world to me. Just my heart, my I, heart and soul. <laughs> you are my heart and soul, baby brother. Uh, I, I just want to remind you that it was funny that you thought you could beat me at Rock and Roll Jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs> it's just because I can beat at, at regular Jeopardy, but he will beat me at Rock and Roll Jeopardy. Yeah. You created a monster with the music. So. Oh, I did. And that was one thing I am always grateful because you opened my ears as well to so much great music that I probably would have never heard before. Yeah. Took me to my first concert, took me to so many great concerts before I was, you know, I was able to ever have access to shows like that on my own. I got to see Pantera. I mean, nobody's ever going to be able to see Pantera again, unfortunately. Is going. No, no, but you know, I got, that was something I got to experience my first concerts. I typo mean, negative. I mean, and did I mean, you go to typo negative? Yes, that was yeah, my first all concert. Of them. Yeah. I mean, ah. and Peter Steele as well is gone too. I mean, uh, so many great things in my life, uh, especially music. Cause music is a huge part of my life and uh, I have a lot of great th- Great fond memories and just knowledge and the gift of music and just... And one day we're going to have lots of money because we don't have kids. So oh, we'll get to, we'll get like, to go like you know to great I'm starting, shows. I'm starting late because I made bad choices as a young adult, but I'm not going to have to pay for kids. So, <laughs> so we're going to get to go so. to like... I hope that when we're like... 60 we're gonna be like going on like food tours and music oh, no. tours well, by the time we're that age the bands that we know now they're gonna, gonna be, be doing the, they're, no they're gonna be doing the cruises cruise <laughs> with jane's addiction oh, I, cruise with like cruise no, with jack white i like, don't go on cruises because they're bad for the environment so that's not gonna work for well you know me. i mean by then the world will be an ocean so yeah <laughs> so, it'll be forced cruises <laughs> me me and my ocean pod <laughs> 
Oh. But yeah, no, uh, music is a huge thing in my life, and my sister has been a huge influence on my music taste and just not even just rock uh rap music as well oh, man, my I sister has rap. introduced me to so much great <laughs> rap music um yeah ain't uh, no thing but a chicken wing having to smoke it in the dungeon with the mary jane it's the pimps players mac daddy's east side it's all about that sass in your chest it's a joy yeah, well, we're not going to have a freestyle battle right now, but... <laughs> Maybe a couple hours. <laughs> no, no, no. Just no. get a little more lubricated, and then Junior will participate in the rap battle. <laughs> no, no, no. That'll be on he my SoundCloud. To, remember we used to do rap battles? <laughs> we used <laughs> Never to, like, happened. Never it happened. is. Rap battles were a thing. Roxanne is actually pretty good. Roxanne, she'll have like three lines and she's done <laughs> yeah but her three lines are pretty much like if you had had two lines building up to that three line <laughs> knockout you probably would have won because everybody would be like oh oh hey. oh and it's like well i can't even go on the crowd ruined hey, it for me. if it ever comes down to a turking contest in this family i'm gonna win <laughs> so oh, there's well, that yeah yeah no I, I oh can't. i wish jim could have come to share the memory of him getting funky with me Oh, last year at the river, this yeah. is America, and we all like this is America. Africans. <laughs> Don't get me slitching up. <laughs> me and my brother-in-law, who was a businessman, was living in Singapore, wears the suit every day of his life. Drink, we're drinking the Jameson freely, listening to Childish Gambino's This Is America, making the whole family listen, and then we just start with the like twerky dancing, and all of the kids and Rosemary are just like mortified <laughs> and i'm like this is our crowning achievement jim we have like solidified Made everybody uncomfortable <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> mission accomplished party over <laughs> yes <laughs> that's great it was uh, chris was there well junior thanks for joining us yes sir and my stomach is cramping from all that brisket <laughs> all that brisket thank you for having me yeah thanks for being here roxanne that was your brother junior <laughs> that, that was, was a great conversation my precious pearl yeah All right, well, we're going to take another break. And when we come back, a very anticipated guest. If (laughs) if you're Greg, especially if you're Greg. Greg, I want you to know (laughs) you're going to really enjoy the next segment. We'll be back right after this. Oh, I was moved by a screen All right, welcome back to the show. So let me introduce our last couple of guests for our final segment. This is much anticipated, mostly by Greg. So Greg, here you go. It's what you've been waiting for the entire episode. In our final segment, we want to introduce back to the show, Roxanne's husband, my brother-in-law, Chris. The one, the only. And for those that don't know, I said back to the show because yes. almost three years ago, you and Roxanne appeared together mm-hmm. in only our 14th episode of the podcast. Mm-hmm. This was in the summer of 2016, I believe. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of content to go back to. Yeah. If you haven't listened, even in the last three years. I mean, if you don't know, you might never know. <laughs> it's a it's an audio adventure that not everyone is up for, but I recommend it to everyone. So most people will get through the first forty five minutes. Oh, if if you make it through forty five minutes, you're you're going to listen to the rest because it it doesn't let up. Well, funny aside, we re listened to it about a week ago, and then I started 
sketching out and drawing problems to some like solutions to problems that we were discussing on the episode. <laughs> oh, you were. And so then like five sheets of paper with scribble drawings later. Wow. Okay. That's right. Because you would text me and say, what episode was that? And uh-huh. you know. So we, you we, listened to it a week ago. And then Chris and I talked about business models and how to... Remember with the... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, you can talk. Oh, yeah. It's a thing that you're supposed to do. Yeah, this is going to be a really lame segment if you don't <laughs> say anything. <laughs> well, okay, so, so since you did listen to it very recently and so much time has passed and it sounded like you really had some discussions about it, I'd, let's start off by getting your impressions of your last appearance on the show. Please do share. I mean, you know, the, I think that funny thing for people that aren't used to hearing their voice, hearing it again, the initial take is like, the, oh my God, is that what I sound like? Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> so there's always that. And then what we, well, we spent time talking and Chris was like, oh my God, I don't say anything. I just talk in circles. And then yeah, I, that, that was the biggest takeaway <laughs> for me. I was like, golly. Well, okay. To, to be fair, to be fair, on the technical side, we were using a single mic. It was a single mic recording versus today we're all using individual headset mics. So much different on the technical side. Then... You had been out drinking. all day long in the oh, sun yeah. and drinking, yeah. and then we set, we had a, we had a dinner conversation, and then all these things came up, and I, in the moment I was like, "Man, we have to sit down and podcast." So we went in the other room and set it up, and it was just kind of stream of consciousness. Oh yeah, and as of today, I mean it's been three years, so my drinking consumption is down, my ideas, <laughs> you know, they're well more thought out, uh, you know. So. Is that true? Is that really true? I like to think so. There's just less of them. <laughs> I think a lot of people think that that's bad news. I don't, that, that might be good news for you, but bad news for the listener. Well, I have some ideas. You know, we've thought about things that are going extinct or that are endangered, but not animals. You know, so we talked about payphones and things like that that are on their way out. But going back to listening to the very first three years ago. Did you listen to it too or just Roxanne? It was the two of us together. Absolutely. I mean, the story is always so comforting, you know, of how we met and everything that we got to go through. Together. Yeah, and and reinforcing. Well, yeah, so at the time you guys had been married for... Two years, three years. I think it was three, around three years. Mm -hmm. And... So we talked about how you guys met because that's a unique story and, and just that whole process. And then you just kind of, you took it from there. Yeah. So do you want to talk about any of our discussions or our drawings from the re-listening or you want all new material, baby? It's all up to you. This well, is your segment. I did. <laughs> well, and so on that segment, we talked about um, skin pockets, mm-hmm. about how you advise that people don't need to wear clothes. They could just be naked and then graft pockets of skin onto their bodies to carry things. Still not a fan. Still not a fan. <laughs> we, we, talk, we talked about how you had an aspiration of wrestling a bear. And we also talked about a book idea that you had called Rich People Don't Get Wet. Those are the three things that stood out the most. Yeah, absolutely. And I've been adding to the book. <laughs> you have. Oh, You're yeah, still, absolutely. I'm still, still working on the I'm book. I'm still working on the book and we're taking ideas in. Uh, okay. And so now that since you've listened to it recently, you've digested that previous conversation mm. by all means... Where are you at on what, what was it's only like you had a post game conversation, so I'd like to hear some of that. <laughs> well, tell me, I mean, you have a, I feel like, well, I mean, I, I guess if you're talking about um, one of Roxanne's business ideas where we take, uh, you know, historical text messages and, and right, find a right, business right, right. model to build that out of, and so the idea behind the written letter is extinct. 
and what I just mentioned a couple minutes ago is what are these things that are becoming extinct? What is becoming endangered through whatever human beings are doing? Progress you know? of technology. Yeah. The, the time marching forward, uh, the cassette tape, you know, the, like I said, the phone booth, you know, over the next week, for those of you listening, you know, keep your eyes peeled. VHS. Uh, yeah. For any of these things that you think are going endangered, because I found it very interesting because Roxanne's ideas is, is really clever. Um, but a lot of times we don't own data. You know, we live in a subscription world. And so you really just find yourself not actually owning anything. And at the end of the day, um, we don't write letters to any, each other anymore. And it actually goes back to this photo, or it's not even a photo. Is it a photo of your parents? They're like maybe 19. And Roxanne took it from her house, took this photo from her parents, and we were going to get it reframed. So we take the photo out. And on the back of the photo is a handwritten letter from Rene to, my mom. to her mom about their love and his need for her. And she never knew it existed. My mom, well, my mom had forgotten. So the picture is my dad as a soldier. He was drafted and went to fight in the Vietnam War. And my parents didn't get married before. So my dad was in his early 20s. And my mom is about 19. And so in the picture... It's a very kind of like blue tinge picture of my dad as a soldier. And then in the bottom corner, it's a color picture of my mom. And it's just, it was always hung in my house as a child. And I mean, the fact that my dad went to war and all of these things is like really important to me. And so I got the picture. I'm like, I'm going to take the things that I want from my parents while they're still alive. So my siblings can't fight me when they're dead. And so then I got the picture. And when I went to get it reframed, there was a letter, a handwritten letter my dad had written on the back of the photo to oh, my wow. mom. Oh, it was really emotional. And it was so just my like... parents, it was like discovering a, a hidden treasure. Uh, my parents, had sure. for, they'd forgotten about it 100%. And so the impetus is like, what? how do you commemorate if, if we don't write letters anymore? I still 100% believe that text messages are the common day letter. And, and there and needs to be a way to, for you people to call and own data in the text messages. And so that's like a thing that I'm like... Except the difference is, is that letter, letters were long-form conversation and text messages are short well, little phrases. Well, you think so. I, um, one of the things that Roxanne had done for us, she wrote me a letter every month for the first year of our marriage. marriage. Oh, and wow. so when she handed these to me, I immediately went back because I knew this idea um, and took every single text message and took screenshots of it and created a sort of um, a picture book of all of our text messages for the first year. Wow. And so it only reinforced this idea that, that you have a story. The medium changes and the style of communication might change, but the human need to communicate in sure. written form to the other, the human need is still there. Yeah. The best use case is you lose a family member. Yeah. You know, you lose your sure. best friend um, and you... You know, you just don't have anything, re you know, tangible. Well, anymore. it's it's got to be that, but it also has to be if you could say, if you could scrape their Instagram or Facebook accounts. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's what I want to be able to do with text messages because I feel like text messages are even more personal. Yeah. 
That's um, true. And it, they're, you they're get the fights. Of, Instagram, you just get the beauty. <laughs> that's the like, you, you get the fake on Facebook. Get, you get the get, fights in the text. You get the 102 a.m. on Saturday, <laughs> you know, when Roxanne left me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired of waiting for you. I'm like, I'm going to martyr home without you. Yeah, you, we, we, we heard a story earlier in your segment about Roxanne jumping out of a car. That's right. Yeah, we did. we did. Well, it was not, I mean, it wasn't two weeks wasn't ago. It wasn't the first, it won't be the last. Yeah, it wasn't <laughs> two weeks ago where Roxanne was ready to go home, and I was like, stop this car. And I got out, and Roxanne just was like, Psh, you, you later. got out later. I'm like, is this some sort of trick? <laughs> she did not put the car in reverse. <laughs> All right, so, so that's a great transition because we're here to recognize Roxanne's 40th birthday. And so... Chris, what I'd love to get from you is just a couple of stories or a handful of stories about your six years together. Just some memories that you want to... Oh, I mean, well, it's been an uphill climb. You know, marriage the first couple of years is, well, for us, we were only married after two months of knowing each other. So basically, we dated for three years. And then after the first three years, most people would just like, you know, move on if you're dating. But you, you right. don't do that if you're married. So then, true. you know, you, that's the, true. You do not hopefully, you realize, hopefully you don't do hopefully. that. You realize what the real work is about and the real effort and uh, all of that really kicks into high gear. And then, of course, you're always, when you're married, right, you've got longer term goals, you know, whether sure. it's the management, the you know, buying a house and those kinds of things. And so those things kick in and all of a sudden you find yourself, you know, planning your life for success for 10 years. Roxanne is almost done with a PhD. I mean, that's been the last three years since we got on, you know, episode 14 that that has happened and is almost over. And so part of what we're looking forward to is some sort of assimilation of, like we're gonna go golfing on the weekend. Like you you're don't saying, have what to is the, what is that next rhythm? What does that next season look like for oh, you? Oh yeah, I think you it's know? we. Well, it's if we move back to Texas, like that might be the last time we move, right? You know what I mean. So sure. maybe we can get some sunshine, sunshine in Florida. You know, we got family and friends in Florida. We're thinking of trying to move to Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. Oh, Margaret's like, Margaret's in here, and she's like, huh. Mm, y'all left me here already and you ain't coming back or <laughs> like how long do I have to wait <laughs> but but I'd love to hear just just a couple of stories from the last few years since uh-huh. since last we heard from you or we picked just, up bowling just in the spirit of of Roxanne's 40th birthday oh it's great um yeah we picked up bowling Roxanne is a great bowler no I'm not a great bowler. I'm a great golfer I'm not a great She's, bowler she is a better golfer than bowler although speaking of bowling you told me recently that you came one strike short of a th- of a perfect game. Yeah, 296. Yeah. I was there. I have pictures. There is proof. You, you bowled, bowled a 296. 296. The last ball that I had, I had to throw a strike. It would have been a 300. Yeah. <laughs> and, and How you close know, did you... So you came four pins short. Four pins short. <laughs> of a yeah, perfect game. Yeah. And everybody gives me a hard time because, you know, before actually throwing the ball, I, you know, went back, finished my beer, took a picture, you know, kind of got settled <laughs> in. And then it was like, oh, you messed that up. <laughs> Nice. So, uh, and then Roxanne, we were, I mean, we've joined a league and we do those kind of things together. So we've gotten 
another dog, a couple of cats. We've an air rotated, fryer rotated, and an yeah, rotated <laughs> through chickens. We've had a chicken massacre. Um, you know, that. don't don't take this the wrong way, but you're making both of you sound like you're 65 and you've mar- been married for 40 years. I don't know. Isn't that what happens? Right? I don't <laughs> after know. After six years. <laughs> after six years. So, John, feel free to adjust that to your head, and then I'll adjust the microphone. Say something so it, we can it, hear the, you. It adjusts here on the side. If you need that to be longer. Yeah. Or shorter. Or shorter. You got a short head? Hmm. I've always known John suffered from short head. <laughs> but he's so tall. <laughs> that's, that's the irony. He's, he's the tallest man. He's, he's seven foot two, but he has a very short head. Short head syndrome. He's short, the shortest head of any man with a, such a tall torso. Okay, that'll work. I mean, Roxanne, we've just been working for yeah, three years. We, we've been busy. It, I don't want it to sound boring, so we'll get back into it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't want it to sound boring, but I mean, when you're working for the next 10 years to be more comfortable. I think um, what we, we might need to do is have another segment of the games Roxanne has invented. I've invented two separate games oh. um, in the past six months. Mm. Uh, and so Chris has been a part of the process. Well, that, that doesn't have to be a, se- a second segment. We can get into that right now if you oh, want. Oh, yeah. And, and when I've been a part of it, I've just been nodding on the sideline for the most part because it's been Roxanne's idea and they're both really, really good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everybody knows beer pong. Yeah, you got beer pong, but everybody only, knows beer pong. But when you beer, when you play beer pong, you only can play with like two or four people. Um, and so Roxanne came up a way that not only can you be bad at beer pong, but you can have everybody. I play bet you together. can play it once, and so nobody has to sit and wait for a turn when you're drinking. <laughs> and it's called sink it or drink it. But here's the thing: I don't want to give all of my. Mm, that's true. I don't want to give all my sauce for free. <laughs> I mean, how many people that listen have the resources to go and write a patent? You know, and, and well, as far t- as I know, Chris, no one in the last three years has taken over your skin pockets idea. So, <laughs> so if that's any indication, you could share all the ideas you want, <laughs> and no one's going to take them. Well, and I haven't heard any stories about friends wrestling bears. So that's two examples where you've been completely. Um, safe. I think my ideas tend to be more tangible and like produced in the real and world. And I think mine over the past three years have become more tangible too. I'd like to believe <laughs> I'm growing my hair out. right around the corner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean like no uh, no poo. I mean we talked about not even shampooing. You it's know? true. And now I've actually grown my hair out and turns out if you have and, and hair. Now you're, now you're pooing again. Yeah, I have to poo. <laughs> I have no to. Good. Yeah. And I'm still trying to figure out how to use a brush or like mousse. I don't know what to do with it, but I have to wash it. Well, and people should understand that you you work in a professional office environment, so... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the more successful these things become, you know, companies... All of a sudden, you got to poo again. Yeah, it's like you have to... You got to figure this stuff out. You can't just walk around in shorts and yeah, long hair. that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. So. Okay. And, and so we were talking about sink it or drink it, and sink it or drink it is just basically, you know, you either make it or you don't. If you don't make it, you're on the drink it side. You make a cup, you're on the sink it side, right? And uh, you just go down to where everybody's done. It's pretty straightforward. We're not going to go through the rules on this one. So we have been doing some things. Just We've been toning down some ideas, creating some new ideas. I'm getting into the game creation. I think that um, I like pattern and uniformity in the world, and it's not always there. And I think the great thing about creating a game is a game should fit a pattern and should fit neatly into structures of the world 
And so, hoping to get into more game making. I made the, the game that I just recently made is a dice game. I'm hoping that the next game I make will be a card based game. Mm-hmm. So, I want to go through the different All avenues the different of forms. game creation yeah. so that I can. Give all of the crazy things that swirl around in this brain of mine. I want to give it all to the world. Well, we, we've established in our previous episode, uh, you are highly intelligent. Now you're extremely well-educated as you'll be earning your PhD here in the next few months. And you're also very creative and you're very persistent and determined. So, yeah, strong-willed. So, so those, all yeah. of those things. Strong-willed. But, but I, you know, here's the thing. We've arrived at your 40th birthday and we've, we've now, we know by ta- catching up with you now is that you've, You've channeled all those things in a really productive way. You know, whereas your story started out very chaotic. We've heard different accounts and look where you've arrived. And that's really the theme of today's conversation, is it not? No matter who we've talked to. (laughs) Lordy, lordy, I'm still alive. (laughs) Oh, I think it's lordy, lordy, I'm 40. Well, by my dad, when my dad turned 40, we had an Apple IIe computer with a dot matrix printer. And we had a Garfield program where you could make banners and Garfield would be at one side and Odie would be at the other. And then it wasn't color. You know, you no. have to fill it with we, we I remember. have to color with crayons. And so, when my dad was forty, we made printed one out. It said "Lordy, Lordy, Daddy's 40. and we put it on the front of the house because my dad was going to come home. We're like, we're going to surprise Dad, and I'm like, holy shit, my dad was forty. It seems so old. Yeah. Now I'm forty, and then I'm like, well, my only consolation is Dad. If I'm forty, ay ay ay, how old well, are you? <laughs> and the the other. I think thing to really recognize is your your next chapter or chapters are going to be really interesting and exciting. You, oh, you've yeah. really, you've really be... laid the ground. All the things we've talked about leading up to today have laid the groundwork for some really great things in your in your near and distant future, and that's really exciting. And Roxanne and doesn't want to stop. I would like to stop. take this moment to introduce a new exciting chapter in my life, which is my brother-in-law who has come all the way from California for his second time only in Austin, Texas. Yes. That's right. So before we wrap things up, we want to talk to one more person, and that is your brother-in-law and my brother-in-law, John Cummins. Yeah. Dun, John, dun, welcome dun, to the show. Thank so we have you. Multi John, uh, multi uh, brother-in-laws. Is that? Yeah. yeah. We're across the. Yeah. You've like Roxanne said, you've come all the way from Northern California. I we're really glad you could join us. Yeah. It's, it's such a. It's wonderful to be here. Austin is beautiful, and I hear lots of great things about it, especially in California. Everybody's always talking about Austin. So, Well, I, I would just like to say, from the moment that I met John, I was drawn to him. Aww. I feel like John and I have like, I don't know. What would, how, what would you say that we have? Kindred spirits. Kindred spirits. Yeah. I For the first time I met him, we went to lunch. We weren't even drinking. It was like a normal person's lunch and we just started spilling our history to each other like the hard things that we'd been through the tough stuff about life and we just like we're like we're in it like we're going for it we are related and we're family now yeah it went right to that authentic deep place quickly you didn't get through all the fluff and bs that you know sometimes characterizes getting to new new no new people. Well, to, to both of your credits, and I'll step in here, you're both easy to spend time with, and you're both very conversational. So not everyone's like that. <laughs> and so to combine both of you together, I'm not surprised to hear that that's how it was when you first met. Well, we're also both liberal Democrats, so we that, are. That, that helps. <laughs> we bonded over our politics first, I think. <laughs> I mean, for a while he was looking to get into politics, and I'm like, I will move and work on your campaign. I could be your campaign manager. Can, I'm, like, I'm actually still looking into getting 
I'm like, Chris, I know I said that after the PhD, I'm going to take it easy, but I want to get into public policy. <laughs> or law. Or law. Oh, you know. Uh, <laughs> Chris thinks I should go to law school, and I'm like, I could. I mean, I'm so good at school. Roxanne, I, I think you might be like me, where you could literally live three different lives. <laughs> And, and all would be just as gratifying and just as enjoyable, right? Well, I think the thing is, I like to pretend that I, I'm a very goal-oriented person, so I like to think that at the end of every goal, it's going to be like easy peasy, and I'm going to take it easy and rest and relax. But the reality is, is I'm not good at that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I finish the goal, and then I'm like, oh, crap, I feel really uncomfortable. This is one I've got to find a new goal. <laughs> this is one of those conversations you always have, you know, like, what is happiness? And uh, productivity, I think. Yeah. What comes yeah. down to Roxanne and I being the happiest is we're super productive. You know, from the moment we start to the end of the day, you know, yeah, we come home, we cook the food, we go golfing, we stay really busy. And it just never stops. Like Roxanne said, I just finished the PhD and I'm trying to figure out what to do next. <laughs> yeah. But that's that's exciting. That that's a good problem to have. What am I going to do next? I think that's a really cool thing to mm-hmm. talk about. Well, one of the things um, that I'm a little bit hopeful for was I was informed this weekend that there could be a potential that somebody that I care about very much might be interested in moving to Texas. Is that right? I have been thinking off and on about coming back to Texas. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's a big deal for me. Yeah. Well, me too. (laughs) Okay. So, so here, let me just say this about that. Our our family was, was kind of collected. This actually predates you. We we were all collected in the Dallas Fort Worth area. And then very soon after that, we scattered, we went all different directions. And, and so I've heard other families experience this too, where that happened. And then, it's so much fun and exciting when, you know, several years or even decades later that you all collect back in a single place. And so the idea of doing that, I love hearing it. I love hearing that possibility because, because different people, you guys and, and you, John, and, and your, uh, your dad, there's all, there's separate conversations well, going also on. His, yeah, his dad, uh, that, our mom, right. I and mean, like there, there is a rebound effect. Yeah, That's why Roxanne and I have talked about going to Florida because as soon as we, you know, as Texans come home. You know, there's very little chance that we're going to. Well, I'm, I'm, it just sounds it. like there's separate, there's there's separate uh, plans that we all might well, meet I, back. I, in. I think this this trip, John, actually coming set the precedent, and so my mom has invited him to Christmas in Kingsville, Texas. Nice. Yeah. So I nice. think we might have, he might get to have his first Christmas in South Texas for his first ever trip. That would be fun. To South Texas, and so I'm just you know it's it, it's it's about a celebration. It's about being here and having people that I love come from all over the country, yeah. and just you know like being surrounded by yeah. people that I love. And thank you, thank you, John, for coming. Thank you, Chris, for doing this. I absolutely, mean, yeah, absolutely. Course. Well. Uh, Apparently, this, we need to eat some cake now or yeah, something. Yeah, th- this recording is part of a birthday celebration. We still have some celebrating to do. It. We've had lunch, and now it's time for cake. So we're going to wrap up the show. I, I, I hope that you feel like we've like we've had some really great quality time with a lot of different people here today. I mean, it's just memories. You know, how is a memory sure. ever bad? And yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's been great. Nostalgia. You know, I, when you're 40, it gets to be nostalgic, right? It does. You're old enough it to does. feel nostalgic when you're 40. Yeah. So it's good. And you're still so beautiful. So, <laughs> I mean, 40 and beautiful, you know, it's just a... I am wearing the dress that I wore the, the first night first I met time. my husband. Mm-hmm. That's so I was great. wearing this dress. So I wore it again just to remind him how much he loves me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's necessary, but it never hurts. 
<laughs> well, Chris, thank you for sitting down with us for our last segment. John, thank you for spending time with us. Roxanne, thanks for letting me do this because it was fun to be part of the whole thing with you. It was. It was uh, wonderful. Just hearing people tell stories and just reliving those times. Uh, most of those I wasn't able to be a part of. Uh, I didn't even share any of my own stories, but I have some of my own. We've, we've had some <laughs> great conversations. And like John, I, I think I took to you really quickly and easily. I have nothing but fondness for you. I'm so glad that <laughs> you, you guys were not my siblings. You didn't have to go through all I, of the I'm You just, guys didn't have to live through the early years. I'm just so uh, glad that I get yeah. to be related to you or around you <laughs> the times that we do. We, we always seem to enjoy each other's company. Okay, let me attempt to wrap up with some credits. The Gravity Beard Podcast is part of the Podfix Network. We have a hotline on the show. If for whatever reason you want to call us, it's 321-465-2180. We're on Twitter. I think at The Gravity Beard. Uh, most people hang out with us on Facebook in our Facebook group. It's called the Gravity Beard Interns. Everybody, thanks for being here. Uh, it was really fun to celebrate Roxanne. This is her 40th birthday celebration episode. So we'll see you next time on the show. Thanks for being here, everybody. Adios. Adios. Ciao. See you next time. was a podcast from the Podfix Network. You can check out more shows like it at podfixnetwork.com. Ain't no thing but a chicken wing. Having to smoke it in the dungeon with the Mary Jane. It's the pimps, players, Mac Daddy's, Eastside. It's all about that sass in your chest. It's the joint.